Okay, so let's get straight then into uh, the issues over the African Union. And, uh, of course, the Union is getting ready to host its 34th summit. It's under the theme Arts, Culture and Heritage, Levers for Building the Africa We Want. So we're going to reflect on South Africa's time as chair and also try and see what the future holds for the African Union. Liesel Lowe-Vadron is the senior researcher and project leader, Southern Africa, at the Institute of Security Studies. Liesel, good morning. Morning, Kathy. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. I think before we we project towards, you know, the future and and what's in store for the AU, let's perhaps reflect on um, South Africa's time, at least under President Cyril Ramaphosa, as chair of the African Union. Um, You know, there have been some wins, but also some losses. Let's talk Hmm. about what the uh, president has managed to achieve as the chair of the AU. Thanks, Cathy. Yes, I think President Ramaphosa really stepped up to the plate when it came to coordinating the COVID-19 response by the AU. Mm. You know, a lot was done and it was completely unexpected. There were a range of issues that South Africa in January, in January at, at the AU summit in Addis Ababa said it would do and no one had an idea that the whole agenda would then just be overshadowed, you mm. know, by uh, COVID-19. And despite the uh, virtual platforms, or maybe even thanks to these virtual platforms, he was able to really coordinate a lot of things. And I think for the first time, ordinary Africans could see, wow, you know, the African Union has now secured over 600 million uh, vaccines for mm-hmm. the continent. It, it honestly, um, you know, we, we are very critical of the African Union and um, how slow it operates and that nothing is done on conflict Mm -hmm. and so on. I mean, and that score, it is true that silencing the guns was the theme for last year. And I really think we could have done more. Um, But uh, but when it came to specifically COVID-19, a lot was done uh, to try and minimize the economic impact of the lockdowns mm. in countries, you know, all those issues. Of course, Liesl, there's mm. a lot of skepticism around whether or not these vaccines that have been procured under the African Union will mm. arrive, whether it will be an effective program. Uh, just from, from what you've been yes. able to see around this plan, um, is it something that you think will be viable? I think so. I mean, with hiccups like we've seen, you know, the European Union is tearing itself apart over vaccines Mm. and, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to coordinate. But um, I think there's a, there hasn't been that on the continent. People blaming one another of, you know, taking more vaccines than the other, etc. So these are deals that were made with um, mostly, you know, India and, and so on uh, as suppliers. Um, you know, in many regions of the continent, there are lots of small countries that mm. are, you know, 15 million people or so, and that the pulling together of, of ideas and resources and, and this um, Africa CDC, which was, which is based in Addis Ababa and that really coordinating the response. Honestly, you know, it does happen that you have good leadership and and for example the PPEs we had Ethiopian Airlines flights going across the continent mm. with Chinese sponsored you know PPEs I uh, 
yeah, we, we have to see. But um, for now, um, I think South Africa has secured something like 20 million of those, um, as I said, the 600 million that had been announced for the AU. But, but if you do have all the continents, countries coming together, it's much better than, you know, Burkina Faso on its own or Uganda on its own mm-hmm. trying to secure, um, you know, PPs or COVID-19 or, or whatever. Let's talk then, Liesl, about some of the areas where perhaps we haven't made or where mm-hmm. perhaps the, the African Union, rather, hasn't made as much progress as they would have intended. And you've spoken mm-hmm. about the issue of, of, of silencing the guns as, as the theme going into last year. But, of course, it, it all fell by the wayside. But does that mean that violence on the continent also stopped? Absolutely not. It increased in many places. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, where we think, so the African Union chair, um, President Sonora Ramaphosa, doesn't have, you know, um, that much impact. It's a one-year rotating position. But where it can, for example, is when there are elections that are flawed and that are widely criticized, really what one would expect is for the African Union at least to question the outcomes or mm. not just immediately jump in and congratulate President John Magufuli for an election in Tanzania, which, you know, there were so many questions about. And we um, that, I think, was the disappointment. We saw now with mm. Uganda somehow, mm. you know, there's a kind of the African Union hasn't made a pronouncement. So mm. we mustn't put the bar so low that um, <laughs> if the AU doesn't say anything, then we're very happy because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so we are. Yeah. We are and, and I of, also understand yeah. And that, that the president, at least the South African president, hasn't issued his own formal congratulations, congratulations. yet. Exactly. So, as I say, we, we, we see that as a sign, and maybe, you know, President Museveni in Uganda sees that as a sign that there is some kind of hesitancy or, or, or you know, on the part of the AU chair and South Africa. But mm. um, So that's one thing that, I, that's like a low-hanging fruit. It's basically a decision about a statement. But there are other conflicts where, um, you know, we really saw with the virtual platforms, you can get quickly get civil society and lots of people around the table mm. make decisions. Of course, the whole issue of Mozambique, we feel SADC has been too slow. There was another mm. meeting that was supposed to take place now in January in um South Africa, actually, around the Mozambique, northern Mozambique, Gabo crisis that didn't take place. So, you know, um, yes, you. I think there were uh, lost opportunities because we don't get to chair the AU, uh, you know, if it's only once every 10, 12 years, maybe even more. Mm. Um, so so I, I think we really could have done more in, in the year, which is now expiring at the end of this week, actually. One of the things that you've also noted in, in this piece that you've put together is, is, is comments that President Ramaphosa made. This is around uh, the election of the I- I- Ivorian president, mm. uh, Alassane mm. Ouattara. Exactly. That was another one that was so problematic because, mm. you know, uh, President uh, uh, Alassane Ouattara did announce that he's not going to stand for a third term. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, he went back on his word, okay, the prime minister was supposed to be the candidate, died and so on. But um, there was huge disruption and mm. huge unhappiness in a very important country, one of the major economies of West Africa. And so, you know, the election came and then, you know, there was just a congratulation. Uh, instead, um, 
working with the African Union and ECOWAS and so on, um, to try and, and see, you know, what went wrong, what can be done. There were talks also with the opposition. So I feel um, it was almost um, too quickly to mm-hmm. to just brush it over because for those countries, it has a lot of implications. You know, if if someone like President Ramaphosa, that has got so much credibility as AU chairperson, mm-hmm. then says, well done, fantastic, <laughs> congratulations, you know. Um, I, I, I do think that was, that could have been, and then to go a step further mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's, let's have a meeting of all the regional heads of ECOWAS and the AU and see where, where we can assist in, in, as I said, mediation with the opposition. That it's, it's, um, it's not something that would have been impossible to yeah. do. Of course, he has a lot on his plate and, and so on, but but just to give the direction for others to step in, the Minister of International Relations and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, these were lost opportunities. Uh, yeah, once again, they, they had many things to deal with COVID and so on, but um, we have to point out where where it could have been uh, Better, know, more successful. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're going to continue mm. our conversation with Liesel Lovadron. She is a senior researcher with the Institute for Security Studies. Uh, we're reflecting on South Africa's time as AU chair. And of course, um, a special summit will be held later on this month to elect the new chair. Who's going to be coming in? I wonder if Liesel has any ideas. We'll continue the conversation after this here there and everywhere SAFM 104.3 FM in Rustenburg you're live on The Thinking Point and we're in conversation with Liesl uh, Lovadron. She's with the Institute for Security Studies. We're reflecting on the African Union. Where are we today? Uh, what has been able to be accomplished under the last year that Cyril Ramaphosa was the chair of the AU? And uh, Liesl, let's talk then about this upcoming uh, summit later on this month. This is going to see the re-election uh, of the next AU chair. How mm-hmm. does the process unfold? Yes, so basically the rotating chair, chairship that uh, South Africa had in 2020 mm. will now be handed over to the DRC. Mm. Um, this is a decision that was already made last year by the heads of state because each of the African Union's five regions get a turn and so it's Central Africa's turn. So President Chisikedi of the DRC will then take that job. But um, there will be elections, very important elections, and I think, you know, your listeners heard what happened, you know, in Parliament and so on. People were unhappy about South Africa's candidates for the AU Commission chairship, the position that um, Minister Nkosa Zanat Lamini-Zuma held, mm. you know, for four years. So that is going to happen on Saturday, Sunday. So the, elect- the summit is the 6th and the 7th. Um, so... Um, the, the the current chair, Musafaki Mohammad, is running unopposed, but it doesn't mean uh, he'll necessarily be elected or mm-hmm. elected because he needs to get two thirds majority of the votes. So there is a chance that this will now be postponed. 
Uh, but if he doesn't get re-elected. But nevertheless, uh, so the deputy chair, that's where, um, as I said, this was, um, there was some unhappiness um, about South Africa's candidates uh, because we feel the two uh, male candidates for the deputy chair. Now, if the chair is, uh, is a man, then a woman must um, get the deputy position, you know. So we basically withdrew those two candidates, us as South Africa. So at this point, we have six candidates running for the deputy, uh, five women, and then um, a male candidate from Somalia. So it's going to be quite interesting. Um, we have two other candidates as South Africa mm-hmm. running for very important position of, of peace and security and political affairs, and then one other for um, science and technology. So... Um, it's always tricky because it's going to be virtual and we'll, it will be a first time that the AU now votes virtually. Mm. Um, and I also think that's one of the reasons why there's only one candidate for chair because it's very difficult to lobby that behind the scenes mm. on virtual platforms, mm. you know. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you think that the AU is getting to a place where it's regaining, and I don't even know if regaining is the Mm. right word, (laughs) but where it's establishing some form of of, of credibility? Look, I think so. Um, We've had two important issues, I think, that really um, made, uh, you know, the continent citizens at least look to the AU. Mm. The one was the uh, continental free trade area, um, which was um, put in place last year, uh, uh, Wam Kelemeni, uh, South African, is Secretary General of the Continental Free Trade Area, and that mm. could potentially be hugely beneficial for development, inter-African trade, and so on. And then, as I say, things like the COVID response, but also, um, I mean, uh, we are fortunate not to be in regions where there's a civil war and so on, but but the, the, let's say um, what happened in Sudan, for example. Mm. You you know, you had that huge upheaval, you had a military regime, and the AU were actually the ones who negotiated the, the, the settlement, the peace, the transitional government and so on. So um, I know people are frustrated and, and the AU could improve. It's actually just the institution in Addis Ababa, mm. you know, because it is it is very slow. But um, if you look at these elections, for example, this is now almost the AU government that we are electing. But it's so complicated because you need to make everyone happy. You need to give every region enough representation that in the end, do we really get the best people for mm. the jobs, mm. you know? Mm. Sorry, y'all. All right, Liesl. Let me quickly <laughs> take a call from Romeo. Romeo, you're calling us from Limpopo. Hello. Yes, good afternoon, my sister. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. And also to your guest, how are you too? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. I, I just wanted to ask a question around the AU. Does AU still have got the fundamental issues on how... I mean, there are reasons for the formation of the board as a U, I mean, way back as OAU, Organization of African Unity. Do they have got the mandate and the constitution that regard each and every country to run two terms? Do they really agree 
or they've got these uh, outside laws, outside the basket of the real constitution of the AU. Because we see a lot of problems within mm. the continent. There are a lot of civil war, there are a lot of... Uh, and so many things, we hear a lot of human abuses, uh, human rights abuses, abduction, a lot of things. So I'm asking, do we have got uh, a very strong constitution that guides each and every leader who came into power, um, whoever being chosen? Because if you look at South Africa, you see, South Africa is doing very well. I don't know some years to come, but as of now, since way back, is the youngest country to be liberated in the in the continent. But if you look at their way of doing things, here and there, yes, there are some failures. But if I have to credit them, how could you say 85% of their doing things? It's quite really amazing. They run two terms, one years to go. After two terms, one has to go. Perhaps we can have a, a peaceful continent with a lot of development. All right, Romeo. Mm, thanks, thank thanks for that, Romeo. Uh, Kathy, can I respond? Yes, yes, please. Yes, that's, that's an excellent question because it is true that many of these heads of state, I mean, I mentioned Alison Water, he's not the worst. I mean, there are others that run for six terms and more um, that quickly change their constitutions through mm. a referendum which doesn't you know isn't free and fair and then they say oh but you know we follow the constitution the AU can't do anything about that um, the AU has got a thing called the Charter on Democracy which does you know if there's a coup d'etat it does expel um, members from the leadership and it has done that many times mm -hmm. but now the question is if somebody um, just changes its constitution, stays on. Is that not a form of a coup? You know, um, it's it's basically it's one of the things that uh, the AU has kind of been grappling with. And I agree, the OAU that used to be was really just um, authoritarian leaders patting themselves on the back and meeting once a year. The OAU, the AU uh, that is now, you know, 20 years. It was created in 2002, so. Um, almost 20 years old, he mm. has really done much, much more for ordinary citizens to look up to the AU if they have leaders that commit human rights abuses and stay on forever in power. Um, they look to the AU uh, to step in. Sure, um, sure. But, you know, yeah, it, it really, we still have a way to go because, I mean, as your caller said, that's one of the big reasons why we have a lot of upheaval is because you have a great leader coming in two terms, he does fantastic, but as time goes by, he becomes much more authoritarian, mm. centralizing power, and then in the end, you know, what we see in Uganda, for example, staying in power through violence and, um, you know, putting the opposition in jail and uh, etc., all right. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Lisa Lovedron. She's a senior researcher with the ISS. It's just after 11.30. Nandika Bjorkas has your latest news.